1: You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 143, and today we are talking about books being released on January 30th, 2018, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello. That, I'm so, everything is weird. Like, (laughs) I forgot to change the header before we started, so I forgot to add the part where, like... With my fellow well redhead or something about you, so I was like, wait, that's not her name because it didn't sound right, and I didn't change the number. And also, every time I start, I keep waiting for the music to come up, but that doesn't get added till after. So <laughs> I am a mess right now. <laughs> You're just waiting for your theme song to play in real life. Wouldn't that be cool? It would be cool. What would you
0: What would you pick? Oh if well, you just had, like I mean, bumper music. From my Liberty? it
1: would be like. That, like, little, like, solo XX, like, w- song without words from their first album, but it would probably end up actually being the music from Benny Hill. Like, that's <laughs> that's what my life is really like.
0: <laughs> what about you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I like to think it would be something kind of badass, like that it would be, kind of like, Kesha or, like, some cool old Motown song, but it would probably be... Like a really earnest Sarah Bareilles number. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's all right. It's a, you're, you are officially too cool for that. What? Um, yeah. I'm just an old.
1: <laughs> well, let's let, call it too cool. Let's go. With all that. right. Um, yeah. I can. I, pretty is... much everywhere I go in my head, I hear, you know, dip, 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 all the time anyway. So <laughs> everything.
0: I'm just imag- imagining like a time lapse video of you just living your life for a day with that number playing behind
1: it. It would be a very boring video because I would be in one spot like
0: for most of it. <laughs> Every now and then, when people are like, What's a day in the life of a book riot person like? It's like, Well, I sit down a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I do, I set alarms for myself. And, you know, speaking of running around like Benny Hill, I set alarms for myself and I, I, I do a bunch of laps around my living room because the bedroom <laughs> has really? two doors. Yeah. So I'll do like 300 steps and sit down and I'll do that again, like in a half an hour because oh, it's funny because you can't sit. That's oh, bad for you.
0: Yeah. I walk the dog during the day. I just got a standing desk, but I've been too lazy to put it together. So <laughs> we'll see uh, what becomes of that. Maybe I'll start podcasting standing up. That would keep me standing up for a good portion of the week.
1: Swapna has a... Uh, A treadmill desk, but I could just see myself just hitting my face. Yeah, I am not coordinated enough for that
0: business. It would be bad news.
1: I'd lose Um. my front teeth in no time.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, books are safer than treadmills. (laughs) Sitting down is also just safer than treadmills. Should we talk
1: about some new releases? I guess so. Or we could, you know, I mean, most of what we have is not like a new release today. This is more of an end more day for books for us. That's true, that's um, true. We have a couple. Uh, My first one is awesome and I'm very excited for people to read it. It's called The Wedding Date and it's by Jasmine Guillory and it's delightful and fun. I know you're not used to hearing those words come out of my mouth, you know, but it's lighthearted and cute um, and I love it. It's about uh, a couple. It's their meet cute story is she's uh, at a hotel on the way up to meet her sister. They're going to celebrate. Her sister's just got a promotion. He's a surgeon in town for a wedding. They get stuck in an elevator together. His name is Drew. Her name is Alexa. They're stuck sitting together for a while. They start talking. He explains to her that he's in town for a wedding. It's the wedding of his ex-girlfriend and one of his closest friends from med school. He's kind of like freaked out by the whole thing. He shouldn't have come. And then his date quit at the last second and he's really stressed out. And it ends up, he asks her to be his date. Like, there's obviously an attraction there right away. They get along really well. He says, will you come and be my date for the wedding? And she's like, he's a hottie? Yes, yes, I will. Uh, But then, like, it becomes very complicated right away because he texts her later and says, oh, by the way, I told everybody that you're my girlfriend. You've been my girlfriend for a month. You know, so now, like, she doesn't know anything about him But, you know, he's handsome and charming, and there was something there, you know, and she's like, why not? You know, so she goes to the wedding, and they hit it off really well, like really well. So they decide they're going to kind of see where this goes, except he lives in Oakland, and she lives in Berkeley, Uh, so... It's, it's a long-distance relationship, and there is some miscommunication at the beginning, like there always is in romance, you know? So she doesn't think that he's going to want a girlfriend because he doesn't seem like the settling-down type, and she's very busy with her job, and she doesn't know if this is a thing that she wants, but they, they start visiting each other on, you know, weekends, and then, of course, you know, there's conflict and miscommunication again, but, you know, it's it's fun, and it's cute, and it's realistic, um, the writing is really fun, and it's 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 great. There's great messages about body positivity and consent, and you know there's lots of really sexy sex scenes, and you know it's it's so cute. I adored it. Again, it's called The Wedding Date, and it's by Jasmine Guillory.
0: All right, my first one this week is a book I've been looking forward to for like longer than I can even recall, Seriously. at least a year now um, since it was announced that this was coming out. It's This Will Be My Undoing, Living at the Intersection of Black Female and Feminist in White America by Morgan Jerkins. Um, if you're not familiar with her, Morgan Jerkins is a great writer to follow online. Um, super smart. She's a young woman. She's in her early 20s, um, early to mid 20s now, I believe. Uh, and this is part memoir, part uh, social analysis. It's like memoir, memoir mixed with social analysis about exactly what the title says, what it is like to live as a black female and feminist in America, which is predominantly run by white men. Um, There's a huge range in this collection of essays. Um, I will say I found the first couple to the voice to be a little more formal um, than I thought the topic Required, but once she like settles into what she's doing, and you get to see um, the development of her voice and of her confidence as a writer across this collection of essays, it's really remarkable. Um, The range of topics, the range of experiences that she's sharing, there is some really open, like very brave, um, honest sharing about experiences in her own life that um, that the vulnerability of those just come right off the page, and you get a taste of. If you are not a black woman living in America, you get a a taste of what her experience really is like. And she addresses those sort of the uh, double marginalization of being both black and female in this country. She talks about race, she talks about gender, she talks about class and education, about um, dating, especially with men who say that they don't see color and what that what that means, um, what it's like to live in a black female body today. Um, She talks about moving to New York and all of the sort of differences in the experience of living in a big city versus living in um, the town that she had grown up in. She addresses um, things related to respectability politics and what she was taught about how people perceive um, black women who feel comfortable with their bodies and who dress in a way that other people might think is provocative or too sexy. There's just so much meat on the bone in this book. Um, it's really, really terrific. And the anger that's on display when anger is called for, the honesty, the like depth of her history and research as well, um, especially for such a young writer, make this a really notable, really notable collection of essays. If you like Roxane Gay, you're going to like Morgan Jerkins. Again, this is This Will Be My Undoing by Morgan Jerkins. Fantastic. It's so good. And I'm just so proud of her. She wrote for Book Riot like way back in the day. Um, and it's been really awesome to watch her career develop.
1: Certainly. So I was gonna talk about our first sponsor today on the show, and because I did not check the schedule before I <laughs> read, you know, before I went ahead and made my plans. So you you know, like a few minutes ago or an hour ago, you were like, hey. This book is a sponsor today, so uh, I had to improvise some other stuff later. But I'm so glad that they are a sponsor because this book is so good. It's so good. Our first sponsor today is The Hazelwood by Melissa Albert. It's coming out today from Flatiron Books. And it's, did I mention it? It's so good. It's <laughs> so fantastic. Like, I'm starting I love... to get the idea that you like it. <laughs> oh my goodness, I loved it so much. It, you know, I like fairy tale books. I love them. They're great. And I love fairy tales that are set, like in the past, hundreds of years ago. But this one is fantastic. It's contemporary. It's like set in the now. There's a young woman and her name is Alice and she and her mother have spent most of Alice's life on the road. What she knows is that her grandmother was this sort of obscure famous writer. She wrote this book of stories that uh, didn't do much but people who know it are like obsessed with it. And her grandmother went into seclusion in her house called the Hazelwood. And nobody really knows where it is. Alice has never met her. She's not allowed to talk about her. Her mother, like, doesn't take her to visit her. And they are, like, as long as Alice can remember, they have constantly been on the move. Like, just when they settle down in one spot, they're up again, you know, going another place. And they just seem to have bad luck wherever they go. Uh, But then they receive a letter. And it says that Alice's grandmother has died on her estate. And then really weird things start to happen. Um, Alice She notices that people are watching her. And then Alice's mother goes missing. So she decides that the way to answer this is to go to the Hazelwood. Like, she needs to find the Hazelwood. Nobody knows where it is. It's not available on the internet. She's never read the book of stories that her grandmother wrote. You know, so she takes along a friend from school who happens to be obsessed with her grandmother and has read the book and knows everything about it, you know, and they go off in search of Alice's mother, uh, yeah, mother, and at her grandmother's house, and it's awesome. It's so good. Like, the descriptions and the people from the fairy tales in the book are so unusual and great, and I just, I, did I mention I love this book? (laughs) Can you tell? I just, I adored it, and if there is another one, I will be like right there, so excited for it. If this is like a standalone, because it could go either way, like that's great too. Like it's it's awesome. Um, but it, if you love fairy tales and and great writing, and it's fantastic. So uh, again, the sponsor today, the Hazelwood by Melissa Albert. I love it. It's always nice when the stars
0: align like that, and you get to give a sponsor title to enthusiastic thumbs up.
1: Yes. Yes, so much fun. Also, the cover, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, It is really beautiful. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to buy a finished copy because I just have a feeling it's going to be all shimmery and awesome. Like, I read an e-galley, so I just have a feeling. Um, But, speaking of awesome books, I'm going to tell you about my next pick, which, okay, so because I had to, like, move things around because of the Hazelwood, uh, I decided I'm going to tell you about a book that doesn't actually come out until next week. But I had a space to fill, and I am having the hardest time choosing for next week. Next week, so many good books coming out. Like, so many. Today, you know, I was telling you earlier, like, I read a lot of books for today. I didn't love a lot of them. So, you know. So I'm going to tell you about one that comes out next week. It's called The Force of Nature. It's by Jane Harper, She is the author of The Dry, which we talked about here before. A fantastic mystery. This is the second mystery in her Aaron Falk series. He is the detective or the police officer from her last book. And in this one, there is a company retreat. um, This corporate company decides to do this outing like one of those you know community or you know relationship building exercises um but it's like in Australia where everything is trying to kill you so <laughs> they go to the outback and the you know boss splits them up into two teams and he sends the men off you know in one direction and the women off in another direction and says you know the first people to get back you know win And you have to, like, camp out overnight and then return in the morning and, and, like I said, the first person to arrive. Uh, So he sends off a group of men and he sends off the group with five women. And the next day, four women come back. One of the women doesn't come back. And nobody knows where she is, supposedly. Uh, The women all have a sort of different story about what might have happened to her or what might have happened while they were out there. You know, Aaron Falk gets called in, and he's, he's, you know, doing his investigating and helping the team look for this woman, because now everybody's out in the outback, like, looking for this woman. And, you know, it turns out that there are some internal issues at this company. There's some secrets and lies going on. Uh, some bad dealings. Maybe somebody in the company is talking to the FBI or the version of the FBI there about um, what's going on. Like maybe the company isn't, you know, uh, above the board. And it's so awesome. Also, on top of everything else, the particular spot where they decide to take their outing uh, is where a serial killer was very uh, busy oh. busy at work many years before but because the outback parts of the outback are so thick and and wild they never actually found where the serial killer had been working so like maybe his place is still out there and maybe someone else is living in it and or maybe someone's been out there looking for it or who knows like maybe he has some cranky relatives um it's super creepy and it's really well plotted And I loved it. And again, it's called Force of Nature. It's by Jane Harper, and it is out next Tuesday.
0: My next pick is actually one that came out last week. And since I'm only on the show every other week now, I have all these like stacked up selections from random things that I read and I didn't get to talk about them on their release day. So it is Our Lady of the Prairie by Thisby Neeson. Um, I think we talked about this on one of our anticipated title shows maybe. I loved her collection of stories out of the girl's room and into the night, like in the late 90s or early 2000s. I read them in college and I've been waiting and waiting to like see her name pop up again. She had another novel, um, but this was like the first really big one. It's out. From Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, and she worked on it for 14 years. This is about a um, professor in the Midwest named Philippa, who is having a midlife crisis. Basically, she is in her 50s. Um, She and her husband live in Iowa. Their 25-year-old daughter, whose life has been really difficult, marked by mental illness and eating disorders and just lots of struggles, is finally stable, and she's about to get married. And Philippa basically like drops a bomb into the middle of all of it because she went away to Ohio for the summer to uh, teach a guest appointment at a college and she met a man there that she just fell super hard for and she had an affair Um, and she felt so badly about it and also knew that it was going to be something serious that the day after they first slept together she called her husband and told him um, and then went home that weekend for their daughter's wedding. And so the book is about um, their marriage, them kind of working through it, or her trying to work through what she has done to her husband and the choice that she's made about um, their lives, but also about what goes on with her daughter. And through the whole thing runs this bigger mystery because her husband's mother has always been very cantankerous and also very mysterious. She will she never told Michael, uh, Philippa's husband, anything about his father. She hardly ever talks about her own history. When Philippa asked her to get some family pictures together to make a collage for her daughter for as a wedding gift, um, she she presented an album that Philippa later finds a price tag in, as if like, she found this album at the Goodwill or something and is passing it off as her family's old history. Um, so there's this mystery around who her mother-in-law really is. And Philippa concocts the idea that her mother-in-law, like the timing lined up right, could would have been a Nazi collaborator, which overlaps with the fact that the man she's having an affair with is a researcher. He's a um, historian and researcher who interviews Nazi collaborators and sympathizers from, uh, from the 40s. So... There's this like mystery running through it along with Philippa, like making up the story of what might be happening while she's feeling freer than she's ever felt before because of this affair, but also like worse than she's ever felt before because she's blowing her family up. And it's all set against the backdrop of the 2004 presidential election where people are like, there's no way that George W. Bush is going to get elected again. Um, and of course, some of the language or that the liberals in the book are using around that possibility and about what's come of America. America and how bad things have gotten and how unbelievable they think it is really resonates for right now. Um, you would think that she wrote this particularly in response to today's political climate, but she did work on the book for 14 years. So it's just interesting to like see how well those things line up. This is... It's really funny for uh, Philippa is a really funny character for how terrible the choices are that she makes. Um, the book is really insightful. It's a fun read. it's there's it's just juicy. There's all this stuff going on with her family. but it's not, Gossipy. Um, it's written in first person, so you really are inside her head as she's making sense of all of these things or trying to figure out like what the hell she's doing and why she is um, a, basically a tornado in her own life. Um, I really loved it. I would love to read another full length novel by Thisbe Neeson. This one is Our Lady of the Prairie, and it came out on January 23rd. Excellent.
1: Okay, roll on. It's my turn again. Mm-hmm. So- that is how we do it. <laughs> So coming out today is the second volume of this book that I'm going to talk about right now. Um, the book I w- want to mention today is called Strange Fruit, Volume 1, Uncelebrated Narratives from Black History by Joel Christian Gill. It came out in May of 2014. It is a graphic novel, or no, I shouldn't say a graphic novel, it's a graphic a history Um, It's aimed towards middle grade readers. The sequel, Volume 2, is coming out today, so I wanted to mention the first one because it's really, really good, and it is about uh, some African Americans from U.S. history who are unsung or not very well known, um, including Henry Brown, who was a slave who actually mailed himself to freedom, like got in a box and shipped himself north. Um, There's Richard Potter, who passed as white and became America's first stage magician, um, there's the stuff about the Noise Academy, which was the first integrated school in America, which was actually uh, in New Hampshire. Um, there's the first black champion cyclist, the first professional basketball player. The, excuse me, the first black professional basketball player, um, and it's it's very interesting, and it's, like I said, it's it's aimed at middle grade, but everyone can learn a lot from this, uh, but because it is aimed at middle grade, you know, it's, it's okay, you know, for kids, it's very straightforward, there's no violence or a graphic language depicted, um, it's just, it's very interesting and enlightening, And uh, the second volume, I will say this first volume, there are no women represented, but there are women in the second volume, so I'm excited to read that. I unfortunately couldn't get my hands on a copy uh, before we started today, but I thought it was worth mentioning. So again, it's called Strange Fruit, Volume 1, Uncelebrated Narratives from Black History by Joel Christian Gill.
0: All right, ready to hear about our next sponsor? Don't say no. (laughs) I am. I'm always nervous now since you pulled that on me one time. I know. Uh, Okay, our next sponsor this week is Here We Lie by Paula Trike DeBoard. This is about a girl named Megan Mazaros. She is from a modest Midwestern background. And Lauren Mabry, who is the daughter of a senator from an esteemed New England family. These girls are complete opposites on paper, but they become roommates at a private women's college, and they forge a really strong friendship. The summer before their senior year, Megan joins Lauren's family on their private island off the coast of Maine as a last hurrah before graduation, but late one night, something unspeakable tears their friendship apart. Many years later, Megan publicly comes forward about what happened, revealing the long-buried truth. Um, The... Author of this, Paula Trike Debord, um, has also written critically acclaimed novels called The Morning Hours and The Drowning Girls. She's known for delving deep into the emotional core of a story and developing complex, well rounded characters. This story explores subject matter that's highly relevant to today's cultural landscape. The girls struggle to understand each other and define themselves as young women in a world where they feel both slightly off balance and often unheard. Um, in the end, it's an empowering message about finding the strength to come forward and speak out about difficult experiences experiences. experiences and it's excellent for opening up conversations about difficult topics like family pressure the consequences of privilege and abuse so the book is available now from park row books it's called here we lie you can find it wherever books are sold or we'll have a link to it in the show notes and it's your turn still. All right. This is one from my holiday uh, sort of downtime reading binge. And I'm excited to have a slot to talk about it today. It's Tell Me More Stories About the 12 Hardest Things I'm Learning to Say by Kelly Corrigan. And this came out on January 9th. Um, I have not read Kelly Corrigan before. She's written a few other memoirs, one about um, overcoming breast cancer. And I loved this book. It's a collection of essays about uh, 12 things that she's trying to say more more in her life. Um, And they're fleshed out with. What saying these things in her life um, is doing, why she's trying to learn to say them more and build them into her relationships with people, and also how she ended up in the positions where she needs to develop these things. So tell me more is the first one. Um, She's getting a facial and she starts talking about all of her problems and like taking care of her skin and what is she supposed to do? And the facialist is like, Well, you're supposed to get bangs. You know, like it's not even about this major problem. But she figures this out because the facial, the facialist, the i um, just keeps saying, like, tell me more about that and asking her more questions. And she learns more um, about this as well from a friend who's really good at drawing her teenage daughters out in conversation and getting them to share their lives with her, even though teenagers are notoriously difficult to talk to. Um, there's a chapter about saying, I don't know. There's a chapter about saying, I know, like when you have shared an experience that someone is going through. There's a chapter about saying no more, a chapter about how to say I was wrong, a chapter about how to say I love you. Um, and these are all just in used with really warm, personal, honest, even like kind of warts and all stories um, from her own life. There is a laugh out loud poop story, which I won't recount to you, but warning Liberty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I just love the way that she talks about her relationship with her husband, the ups and downs of family life with their daughters. Uh, And admits to her own faults. There's a really great story. I can't remember which chapter it's in now about how um, she's super stubborn and got herself in too deep one year when she was like 10. Um, She really wanted to have a birthday party where all of the girls got to order their own hoagies. And her mom said that that was too expensive. They could have pizza. And her solution as a kid was to be like, I don't want pizza. I hate cheese. And her mom's like, no, you love cheese. I've seen you eat cheese forever. But she decides, like, she's going to show her mom she's going to not eat cheese. And she goes 10 years <laughs> without eating cheese, thinking all along that she's, like, proving this point to her mom. And when they talk about it later, when she's an adult, it turns out, like, her mother never even noticed that she was undertaking this <laughs> <grin> <laughs> mission. But just these kinds of things, like, we all have some version of these stories in our lives, and she talks about the great moments that you want to fully share with people, the really difficult moments that if you can get yourself to ask the tough questions or to sit in them with the people who are going through them can strengthen your own life and your relationships. It's just really great and raw. It goes for me on the shelf of books alongside like Cheryl Strayed and Glennon Doyle. Um, So if you're into that kind of thing, I think you will like Tell Me More by Kelly Corrigan.
1: So my last one is kind of a cheat but I really just wanted to talk about the author because I'm tired uh, <laughs> I did the 24 and 48 this weekend I don't know if we cool. mentioned that but it was really fun I read 3100 pages and oh my gosh I gave up Red Bull a few weeks ago so I'm tired oh my <laughs> so I was like this is the perfect opportunity to talk about Muriel Spark. And there's a book of quotations coming out today. It's called A Good Comb, The Saying of Muriel Spark. It's coming out from New Directions. I love her. I know I've mentioned her a few times on the show. She is so fantastic. And she would have been 100 years old oh uh, on February 1st this year. And she's so great. She's She wrote back. She's a Scottish author who worked in the 40s and 50s. Uh, and also, I mean, she worked later than that, too. But she was very well known uh, during that time. Um, she wrote Memento Mori, she wrote Girls of Slender Means, her most famous is probably The Prime of Miss Jean Brody, a lot of people are familiar with that, and she was just this very smart, cutting writer, she had great things to say, um, sort of like a Scottish Dorothy Parker, but with less alcohol references, maybe, <laughs> and I just, I loved her, like, I love all the writers like from that time, like, like Barbara Cummins, and Barbara Pym, and... Uh, Paula Fox, Jane Bowles, like, they, I lumped them all in this group together of, like, really smart, strong women who weren't heard as much as they should have been uh, back then because of sexism, and it's, I just absolutely love her. So this is a really cute uh, little book of quotes. Um, I actually almost would say read some of her novels first because a little, a few of these are, like, out of context from her novels, Um, but... She's just so awesome. I just wanted to mention her again. So uh, there's a little book of quotes, a good comb, and Muriel Spark. Yay! Okay,
0: I'm done. <laughs> all right. My last pick this week is, this is just a writer that I love, and I read this book over the holidays. Um, It's How to Cook a Moose, a culinary memoir by Kate Christensen. Um, I talked about Blue Plate Special in, in the past here when we've talked about how much I love food memoirs. And this one is specific. Kate Christensen sort of had this itinerant childhood. She lived all over the place. You get a flavor of that in Blue Plate Special and how she came to love food and cooking, and also how she met the man who is her current partner and who... Whom she thinks of as her soulmate. Um, and then they left Brooklyn and moved to Maine. And they've spent Yay, a good amount of time in, in yeah in Portland, Maine. Now, this um, book was published by a local press there. I received it from a friend who lives in Maine. And this is about sort of that life. She is so inspired by the like very resourceful, back-to-the-land uh, attitude of Mainers, but also how deeply they can live the like slow-food, local, organic thing. And so the book is part memoir about her life in Maine and what she and her partner were cooking after they took that nice long summer walk with their dog. But she also goes to like a bunch of local restaurants. She interviews local um, farmers and food entrepreneurs. She goes mushroom hunting with a woman who's just known locally to be a genius at that. And there are recipes for all of the things throughout the book. She just writes about food in a way that I find to be both aspirational and also very grounded. Like she's talking about food in the way that I, as a just a normal person who doesn't go to you know Michelin starred restaurants, um, can experience food and think about it in our everyday lives. She's a just passionate home cook, and the recipes in the book are really great. Um, she's also really funny and really smart, and I just enjoy the moments of reading this book and feeling like I could hang out in the kitchen with her, and we could like make a giant plate of pasta. Um, it would have to be gluten free for her though. And drink a a bottle of wine and talk about food and life and literature and all kinds of stuff. Um, She's just a lot of fun to spend time with. And since the book was from a small press, it didn't get a lot of attention. Came out back in 2016. So if you like food memoirs, Kate Christensen is wonderful. If you've read some of her fiction and would like to get to know her from a different angle, this is great as well. It's How to Cook a Moose by Kate
1: Christensen. She has a new novel coming in July, I think. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes. Which is exciting. That is exciting.
0: So, those are our new books today, and our other books that are coming out at other times or have already come out because this is just a show about recent books now. And things that we talked about because I'm lazy. (laughs) Well, I don't think you're lazy if you spent (laughs) like a million hours reading this weekend. 3,100 pages is a lot of pages. Um, What are you going to read next?
1: So I think this book was written for me. I'm so excited to start it. It's called The Witch Way Tree by Elizabeth Crook. And it's, it says, it's the poignant odyssey of a tenacious young girl who braves the dangers of the Texas frontier to avenge her mother's death. Ooh. And it's, it takes place in Texas. A panther attacks and kills a family, um, and including this girl's mother. And so she decides she's going to get revenge and goes to hunt this panther. But also, um, she and her friend who's helping her are being pursued by a hapless but sadistic Confederate soldier with troubled family ties to a preacher and a score to settle. Like, yes, please. (laughs) Sounds perfect for me. What are you going to read next?
0: I think I'm going to read Good Neighbors by Joanne Serling. Um, I've been kind of having my eye on it for a while, and then I got a press release. This is like the only time in recent memory that a press release email got me to actually open it. But the subject line was something like, you know, Oh, no, it was Spicy Suburban Angst. And I was like, sold! <laughs> I have no idea what it's about. Um, but I got a galley of it several months ago, I think before the book even had a cover. And I was like, oh, interesting. They're going to be, you know, spending some marketing dollars uh, on this one. And Spicy Suburban Angst. I love a suburban angst novel. So, or, you know, melodrama um, in the suburbs. I'm looking forward to finding out what that's all about. You love suburban angst and a good poop story. <laughs> Oh, if this is my legacy, I'd have some feelings about
1: it, but I guess that's ultimately fine. Let's just tell the listeners that this weekend during the readathon, I read a book that nearly killed me that I have to give to you. <laughs> <laughs> It's called The Girl's Guide to Personal Hygiene. I read it because I love soft skull press and I will read everything that they send me, but it nearly <laughs> killed me. which And I immediately texted you to say, this is coming to you. Oh, I laughed so hard. <laughs> Should I, like, cl- you know, make a
0: list of my 10 favorite facts from it to share with you on the air?
1: Oh, they're just stories that people <laughs> share, like, these are the disgusting things I do with my body. <laughs> I was like, someone please kill me. <laughs> But I got over it.
0: Liberty, someday we'll find a way to just like extract your brain and we'll just remove all the body stuff. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that is the very weird (laughs) end to our (laughs) show. this week. Thank you to our sponsors, The Hazel Wood and Here We Lie. We'll have links to both of those in the show notes and you can find them wherever books are sold. You can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm not there very much anymore but I do check my mentions a few times a week. I am Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y Liberty is Miss Liberty and if you would like to leave
1: us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts that is always appreciated. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today we just don't have the time but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and in the meantime in the meantime happy reading. reading